This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. I'm your host, Elena Enake, bringing you the news. First, the headlines. Romania's Supreme Defense Council, chaired by President Klaus Johannes, convinced today in Bucharest. Israel continues to bomb Hamas positions in the Gaza Strip. And Romania's national football squad is up against Belarus in a match of the 2024 European Championship preliminaries. There were 20 degrees Celsius in Bucharest at noon. New drone fragments have been discovered on Romania's territory in Plauru village near the border with Ukraine. Romanian authorities have taken measures to secure the area while investigation teams are collecting evidence in keeping with the procedures in force. The areas at risk following situations like these will be further monitored by forces of the Defense Ministry. This is the fourth time since the beginning of September that authorities discovered drone fragments on Romania's territory, which are similar to those used by the Russian army in Ukraine. In Romania, the annual inflation rate decreased in September to 8.8% from 9.4% in August, as the price of food products went up by 10.36%, of non-food staff by 6.68% and of services by 12.10%, according to data made public by the National Institute of Statistics. The inflation rate has been 5.7% since the beginning of the year. The National Bank of Romania signaled at the beginning of October that according to current assessments, the annual inflation rate will continue to decrease until the end of the current year in keeping with the latest medium-term forecast. In August, the National Bank of Romania revised upward to 7.5% the inflation forecast for the end of this year and to 4.4% for the end of 2024. The International Monetary Fund estimates that the inflation rate will decrease from 7% to 4% at the end of 2024, but remains above the central bank target. Romania's Supreme Defense Council, chaired by President Klaus Johannes, convinced today in Bucharest. An important topic of the meeting's agenda is drug use among young people and students. Also discussed will be the security situation at the Black Sea in the context of the Russian war of aggression against Ukraine, and decisions will be taken as regards the army equipping strategy for the next 10 years. 
Israel continued to bomb Hamas positions in the Gaza Strip and announced that 300,000 military were deployed at the border. Meanwhile, the death toll following Hamas's attack on Israel exceeds 1,200, with thousands other injured. In Gaza, more than 1,100 people lost their lives and almost 5,400 were injured following bombing by the Israeli army. The United Nations has warned of a, a humanitarian crisis in Gaza and announced that half a million inhabitants in this territory have not received their food supplies since Saturday. Meanwhile, Israel has formed a new government called of National Emergency that will lead the war against Hamas and can only make decisions strictly related to this war. Romania, Bulgaria and Greece have established a partnership to create a fuel supply network to cover NATO needs at times of peace and war. According to the Romanian Defense Ministry, the three sides signed a letter of intent in this respect on the sidelines of a NATO defense ministers meeting in Brussels on Wednesday. The Romanian national football squad this evening is up against the Belarusian team in a first-group match of the 2024 European Football Championship preliminaries. The match is taking place in Budapest, Hungary, and Belarus is considered the host team. And that was the news. Dear friends, the Radio Romania Board of Administrators decided to temporarily suspend the use of two out of the five Radiocom shortwave transmitters that ensure the broadcast of Radio Romania International's programs because of budget cuts. The RRI programs in English are affected. All of them may be received on only one frequency instead of two as of August the 1st. The frequencies, as well as any other prospective changes operated by Radiocom for to reception monitoring and to your feedback on reception quality will be announced in our broadcasts on our webpage and on Facebook. We invite you to follow RRI's programs online at rri.ro, including On Demand, on SoundCloud, on Android and iOS apps, via TuneIn and via Satellite. You can find more details on our homepage. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn and Spotify. Hungary supports Romania's Schengen accession. I'm Ana Maria Popescu with more details in this report written by Roxana Vasile. Hungary supports Romania's Schengen accession and if the process is not completed by next summer, Budapest will bring up the issue once it takes over the rotating presidency of the EU Council. The statement was made by Hungary's President Katalin Novak, who invited President Klaus Johannes to Budapest for the first visit by a Romanian head of state to Hungary in 14 years. The talks covered the most important topics on the EU agenda, an occasion for Klaus Johannes to reiterate Romania's commitment to a united, stronger and more resilient union. Our talks highlighted the support of both states to furthering the EU enlargement process. 
I have reiterated Romania's firm support for the adoption by the end of this year of the decision to open EU accession negotiations with Ukraine and the Republic of Moldova. On the other hand, the two presidents also discussed opportunities to develop bilateral economic and infrastructure cooperation. The president of Hungary, Katalin Novak, pointed out that natural gas development projects like Neptune Deep in the Black Sea should be supported financially by the European Union. I signal Hungary's intention to buy even more gas because in this way we could further diversify current energy resources and we would reduce our dependence on Russia. We are in discussions on this issue, Katalin Novak said. Romania may become a relevant partner and supplier for the neighboring state, came the answer from President Klaus Johannes, who also seized the opportunity to voice the Romanian authorities' willingness to act so as to strengthen bilateral dialogue and cooperation and the need to avoid unilateral or controversial moves. Moreover, according to the Romanian party, economic cooperation should be structured into projects of mutual interest without ethnic discrimination, not limited to certain regions of Romania and financed in compliance with Romanian and EU legislation, as well as having the consent of the Romanian side. We are open to supporting Hungarian investments across our country and we will encourage Romanian companies to further invest in Hungary, Klaus Johannes said. The Romanian official also mentioned that national minorities contribute to creating and consolidating bridges between their current home country, the only one responsible for protecting their rights, and their country of origin. In short, Romania is fully determined to act to strengthen dialogue and cooperation with Hungary and to provide even more substance to the strategic partnership that ties the two countries. The territory of Romania has not been the target of attacks, and the drone fragments found in villages on the Danube border with Ukraine fell accidentally. I'm Mihaela Gdatescu with more in this report by Stefan Stoika. The report on the drones that fell last month in the Danube Delta was completed and submitted to the Prosecutor General's office in Bucharest. The drones were hit by the Ukrainian anti-aircraft defense and did not target Romania's territory. The information came from the Minister of Defense, Angel Tilver who spoke in Parliament at the traditional government hour, called to provide explanations on this topic of concern for the authorities and for the inhabitants of the villages along the Danube border with Ukraine. The drones launched by Russia over the river port of Ismail were hit by Ukraine's anti-aircraft defense and became uncontrollable in the vicinity of the target, which led to their accidental entry into the national airspace and they fall in proximity on the territory of Romania. We did not notice any intent in any of the situations. Romania's territory was not targeted, the impact being accidental, Minister Tilver stressed. According to him, the drones could not be observed by the surveillance and early warning systems for objective reasons related to the low altitude at which they were flying, their uncontrolled movement, as well as the shielding generated by the terrain and the port infrastructure of Ukraine. 
These limitations are specific to any radar system, no matter how powerful it is, explained Tilver. He also recalled that the impact of the drones was non-explosive. As the drones had no active combat equipment, in all the situations reported, there was no material damage or casualties. The Minister of Defence also stated that more aerial surveillance systems have been recently installed in the Danube Delta area, near the Ukrainian ports attacked by Russian forces. Minister Angel Tilver. With regard to the maritime and river areas, we are considering measures to secure maritime communication routes for the discovery and neutralization of sea mines, because this is also a matter of concern for the citizens of Romania, as such mines are drifting from the Black Sea Basin within the joint effort of riparian NATO states. At the same time, we maintain the hydrographic and navigation coverage of the Romanian coast and issue notices for navigators in order to increase maritime security in the maritime and river areas of interest. We have increased traffic surveillance in the area of sea drilling platforms and the Sulina Sfântu Gheorghe sector, naval research for the discovery and neutralization of drifting sea mines. In the relationship with our allies who have deployed significant forces in the country, we are considering the review and adaptation of the measures to ensure host nation support, according to the provisions of the Allied plans and the requests of the partners, in accordance with the level of the Allied presence on the national territory, stated the Minister of Defence. At the same time, the coordination and monitoring of road, air and rail transports belonging to the armies of Allied and partner states are considered. That was Radio Newsreel. Dear friends, we have a special announcement for you. On Sunday, the 5th of November 2023, on the first Sunday following the Romanian Radio Day, which we celebrate every year on November the 1st, we invited to take part in Listener's Day on Radio Romania International. Twenty twenty three is set to become the warmest in recorded history, warns the EU Copernicus Service. After average temperatures measured around the world during the summer and in September have reached the highest levels ever recorded. Climate change has triggered not only temperature records but also extreme phenomena. Devastating fires, heavy rainfalls, thunderstorms and flooding. In the 2023 edition of Listener's Day, we ask you whether and how climate change has influenced you. What steps do you think should be taken to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions? And how could each of us contribute to reducing our carbon footprint? Do you see education as a useful instrument to tackle climate change more efficiently? Should there be more platforms to discuss climate change? What role do mass media play in this context? We're looking forward to receiving your answers, which will be included in our show on the 5th of November. You can email them to us at angl.ro 
Post them on Facebook or send them as a comment to this item on Radio Romania International's website at rri.ro. You can also send us pre-recorded answers via WhatsApp at plus 40744312650. Or you can send us your telephone number so we can call you from the studio and record your opinions. Thank you. Listening to Radio Romania International. Traveler's Guide. Welcome to Traveler's Guide with me, Eugen Nasta. Romania has a very generous offer of vast vineyards and beautiful wine cellars, fascinating stories of genuine treasures that await the wine lovers. Moreover, these wine cellars can be visited as part of several special programs, which include walks around the vineyards, detailed info on the winemaking process, and, more important than all that, wine tasting sessions. This week's edition of Traveler's Guide spins the yarn of a different experience, that of the legends told till late at night in a picturesque setting. Alina Yanku is the founder of Romania's Wine Cellars Project. Alina is also a promoter of the local wines and of the wine-growing tourism. Alina told us the number of accommodation units at the wine cellars, but also in the surrounding areas, has been on the rise as of late. Alina Iancu. From this particular point of view, as against the last two, maybe three years, we fare much better. We have only one association which is active, the Dalumare Wine Cellars Association. There are around 15 wine cellars in the association, and several times a year, they organize the Open Gates Day, which means that a couple of wine cellars can be visited the same day with no previous appointment. There are a great many wine cellars from the Dalumare Vineyard, Dragashan, or even from Transylvania that began to stage festive events, be they live concerts at the wine cellars or the Wine Cellar Day, celebrated at a certain moment in time, or the Grape Harvest Day. And then, when you know there are several wine cellars in a region, you're aware you need to be able to plan your weekend. To this wine cellar, you go for the grape harvest, while to that one, you go to enjoy the vineyard. There are a couple of vineyards that have started to associate with other local producers, be they cheesemakers or producers of meat specialties. 
And then, apart from a wine-growing experience, you can also have a culinary experience. To that end, we've got much more work to do, yet the local producers in certain areas have begun to put their produce together and present them to the people visiting their households. While visiting a wine cellar, tourists are initiated in the art and technique of wine tasting and can also listen to the wine tale. When their visit is about to end, the guests of the wine cellar can have a stopover at the souvenir shop, available to them with souvenirs in a liquid state. The founder of Romania's wine cellar's project, Alina Yangu, told us wine-growing tourism goes perfectly well with other forms of tourism. Alina Yangu. Being welcomed at the wine cellar also means a brief presentation of the technological process, a sightseeing tour where you're shown the hole where the grapes are processed, the maturation area with the barrels, which is the strongest point of attraction. Then the wine tasting session begins. As a rule, five sorts of wine are tasted, and some of them can also go with other produce. A visit to a wine cellar lasts for about one hour and a half. However, wine-growing tourism also goes with active tourism. More often than not, cycling or running activities are organized. That happens at national level, as in the long run, you can enjoy the scenery, while in the end, when you reach your destination, you can also enjoy a glass of wine. Romania is well known for its wide as well as for its red wines, yet that has been gaining ground quality-wise, as in recent years, a great many new wine cellars have cropped up and in Romania, we can no longer say they have improved their quality. The wine cellars already put themselves on the market with quality wines. Emphasis is laid by all means on the local sorts, on the indigenous sorts, while quality is sensibly improving. Apart from the wine tasting sessions at the wine cellars, Tourists can also enjoy taking part in events staged in the big cities across Romania, Alina Yanko also said. For example, the second edition of the Revino Gourmet Salon is held in Bucharest over October the 21st and the 23rd. Alina Yanko once again. We bring over winemakers, producers of craft beer, but also cheesemakers and producers of meat specialties. So you go the whole hog when you have this gastronomic experience. You can make the most of it for a couple of days running, what with the fact that it is smack bang in the middle of the capital city. Such events are staged in the big cities across the country each year. It is a start in a bit to have wine sorts go with the local produce, while this event is not only for the visiting public. Local producers need to meet other local producers as well, because that is the only way we can enhance the value of the produce and that of the place. Whenever we introduce a wine sort and point to a local sort of local cheese that best goes with it, the story is a much more complex one. In the build-up to all that, there are several factors, people and places, while the taste is a much stronger one and more products are being laid out, all of them hailing from the same region. We have already extended our invitation. Next week's edition takes you to Mures, the Romanian county, with the greatest number of castles and mansions. And that was Traveller's Guide.
working in Romania. Welcome to a new edition of Working in Romania with Mila Kramera Simeon. The Ukrainian refugees in Romania will benefit from humanitarian assistance from the Romanian state until March 2024, the Romanian government established through an emergency ordinance. The draft ordinance approved by the executive provides for the extension of the period for granting this aid from the end of 2023 until March 31, 2024. The amount, conditions and mechanism for granting lump sums have remained unchanged and the financing will be made from European funds. According to the Romanian government in June, the European Commission launched a call for projects for Romania, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovakia with funding from the thematic facility of the Asylum, Migration and Integration Fund 2021-2027. The total budget allocated by Brussels to this call is 50 million euros and the deadline is October 13th. At the same time, the Commission conditions the submission of calls on the existence of a clearly defined national legislative framework regarding the method of granting lump sums for the year 2024 as well. Under these conditions, the Romanian government says it was necessary for Romania to have the legal framework at the primary level, which would allow the granting of support in the form of lump sums to cover accommodation costs for foreign citizens and stateless persons coming from the armed conflict zone in Ukraine. The number of requests for extending the right of residence of foreign citizens on the territory of Romania has increased as a result of the increase in the demand for labor force, said the main police inspector Marian State from the Immigration Service of the Timish County Police Inspectorate. The main fields in which the applicants work are hotels and restaurants, delivery and constructions. Since the beginning of the year, 640 such requests have been registered from citizens of the EU, mostly from Italy, Germany and France. Marianne State showed that the majority of those who come from the European intra-community space are pensioners who left the country at some point and renounced their Romanian citizenship, and now they want to regain it. In addition to these, there are also about 2,000 students. In the first nine months of this year, around 4,500 residence permits for various purposes and 1,280 employment permits were issued at the Timish Immigration Service in Western Romania. Most applicants for residence permits come from Nepal, 915, Sri Lanka, 595, Serbia, 391, the Republic of Moldova, 373, and India, 235. However, 529 requests were rejected and, in 96 cases, return decisions were issued with a deadline for voluntary departure from the territory of Romania in 15 or 30 days for cases of stay and refusal to extend the right of stay as a result of its cancellation or at request. At the same time, 80 foreigners were detected in illegal situations and were fined over 89,000 lei. Last but not least, 484 escorted return decisions were issued following the completion of the asylum procedure 
and the risk of avoidance. Next in this program, sports. Welcome to Sports Flash, I'm Eugen Nasta. Romanian women's volleyball team CSM Lugos had no problem advancing to the Challenge Cup's round of 32. CSM Lugos on Wednesday secured a 3-0 home win against North Macedonian team Rabotnici Skopje. The fixture counted as the second leg of the preliminary round. The finalist of the 2022 edition of the Challenge Cup, CSM Lugos, had also secured a 3-0 win in the first leg on Tuesday in a match hosted by the Ioan Kunskermanescu Sports Hall in Lugos. CSM Lugos's most efficient players were Nevena Vukcevic with 15 points and Petrusa Orlanda with 11 points. In the competition's round of 32, CSM Lugos face Swiss team Smash Peffingen. The first leg is scheduled on November the 14th away. We recall that in 2021, also in the Challenge Cup's round of 32, CSM eliminated Smash Pfeffingen following a 3-2 home win and another win away 3-1. Also in the Challenge Cup, CSO Voluntar has made a leap forward towards the competition's round of 32. On Wednesday, CSO Voluntar secured a 3-2 away win against Greek opponents AEK Athens. CSO Voluntar came from behind when the scoreboard pointed to a 2-0 win for the Greek team. With 26 points, CSO Voluntar's Heidi Casanova Alvarez was her team's top scorer. The second leg is scheduled on October the 18th in Dobroyezd. In news from women's handball in a Group 1 fixture counting towards the 2024 European Women's Handball Championship preliminaries, Romania's national squad defeated Bosnia-Herzegovina 49-17. With seven goals scored, Kristina Laszlo was the Romanian national team's top scorer. In Group 1's other match, Croatia defeated Greece 32-22. On Saturday, Bosnia-Herzegovina plays Croatia, while Greece goes against Romania. 24 teams will be taking part in the final tournament, the first two teams in each group, plus the best four third-place teams. Host countries' teams, that is Austria, Hungary and Switzerland, have qualified straight to the final tournament, just as the defending champion Norway. This coming weekend in Bucharest, gymnasts from 21 countries will participate in a World Cup aerobic gymnastics leg. According to the Romanian Gymnastics Federation, confirming their participation were delegations from all five continents. After the 2011 edition of the European Championships held in Bucharest, the World Cup legs held in 2001 in Bucharest and in Timisoara in 2013, this is the fourth international aerobic gymnastics competition hosted by Romania. And that's all from Sports Today. You can also access our sports items at rri.o and on Facebook. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Hello and welcome to Music of Romania. I'm Elena Enake and I invite you to listen to songs performed by the late vocalist Gabi Lunka. Let's start with a song about youth. Și tinerița Ați burăcă pânăr 
Continue our traditional music feature with another song from Gabi Lunka's repertoire. Thank <laughs> you. 
Next in Music of Romania, listen to one more song performed by Gabi Lunca. of Romania today with Gabi Lunca performing a song about her children.
Mai viridii sunt de pește, un părinte poate crește șapte o copii sau zece. Dar zice copii cu minte, nu poate ține un părinte, nu poate ține un părinte. Unul pe altul se lasă și de părinții nu le pasă. Unul pe altul se lasă și de părinți nu le pasă. Băiatul când s-a surat, de părinți s-a îndepărtat, de părinți s-a îndepărtat. Zice ca nevastă să, parcă l-ar fi crescut ea, parcă l-ar fi crescut ea. Tată e nițele mai bună. Living Romania Coming up next on Radio Romania International In the Spotlight Hello everyone, welcome to a new edition In the Spotlight coming to you from Radio Romania International. We are 19 months into the war in Ukraine, and none of the belligerents is showing willingness to concede defeat. On the contrary, the technology and equipment used in the conflict are getting more sophisticated by the day. Whether we're talking about artificial intelligence, bioengineering, autonomous systems and quantum computing, such disruptive and emerging technologies pose substantial challenges and opportunities in the war effort. This was also at the heart of a discussion panel organized on the sidelines of the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Forum held in Bucharest. Participants discussed ways of assessing how these technologies continue to affect Allied security, with a view to ensuring the resilience of deterrence and defense, as well as of civil society. The event actually consisted of two panels simulcast in Washington, D.C. and Bucharest. On the sidelines of the panel, titled Technological Game Changers, held in partnership with the Hudson Institute, discussions focused on emerging and disruptive technologies that can change the tide of war. In modern warfare, GPS, for instance, is an indispensable military asset, being essential to synchronize operations, provide navigation information, pinpoint targets and locate personnel. GPS now is the core of navigation systems for most modern-day military aircraft, vessels, vehicles and personnel. It has changed the nature of weapons targeting, command and control, guidance of unmanned systems and supply delivery on the battlefield. Yet, according to Brian Clark, the director of the Center for Defense Concepts and Technology with the Hudson Institute, all that can change and GPS might be made obsolete by other emerging technologies, such as artificial intelligence.
the kind of uh, GPS uh, independent navigation systems you're talking about are generally pretty expensive, right? They require an expensive inertial navigator. They require something that's going to do terrain mapping or you know something relatively sophisticated like that. The new trend I'm seeing is that you know you can use artificial intelligence to a degree to help a vehicle predict where it is. So it's not so much determining where it is with with certainty based on the GPS signal or based on it sees a particular navigation aid, um, but it's combining all the information it does have. So it's combining what was the last thing I knew about where I am and what's the terrain kind of look like here and what is my visual picture and maybe what are some signals I'm receiving from uh, your radio towers and cell towers in the area. And based on that and my understanding of this general environment, can I predict where I am using artificial intelligence? And that's the big trend I'm seeing now, which is a much cheaper way to go about doing your GPS independent navigation than to build some very expensive inertial navigator. And it might level the playing field so that we can have you know, allies that don't have access to that high-end navigation technology be able to build systems and field them that use software to achieve you know, nearly the same level of accuracy as you would get from a, an expensive inertial navigator. You are listening to Radio Romania International. You are back with us on Radio Romania International. We are discussing the impact of emerging technologies on modern warfare. The topic of a panel held on the sidelines of the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Forum, hosted by Bucharest in late September. As more such technologies hit the market and are gradually incorporated into military equipment and standard operation protocols, one question that arises is whether communication technologies should also improve. Here is Lawrence Chouette, the Director of Global Research and Innovation at Lockheed Martin. As we get more and more sophisticated autonomous systems, those systems will need less and less communication to have the same effect, which will have this this cyber resiliency uh, impact. And I think that's where the more compute power that you can put in a system, the more it can make uh, uh, analysis on the platform. So it's not sending back full frame video, it's sending back contact reports. The ability then to do low bandwidth comms, uh, it makes it that much more secure, that much harder. But I think from a cyber defense perspective, in some ways we've been fortunate that over the last 30, 40 years, we've been reminded how important it is, you know, periodically makes the news, but it's happening every day. And so they grudgingly are spending, you know, the governments are spending money in these areas, the companies are spending money in these areas because we know we have to. When talking about the role played by new technologies in cyber warfare and devising protection solutions, what developers should keep in mind always is that one standard-fits-all solution is ill-advised. And when discussing cyber defense and innovative solutions, diversity is key, says David Myers, president and CEO of Altisat Incorporated. Starting out kind of with the space race comment, you know, when you hear that term, it, it conjures ideas of, you know, NASA astronauts in, you know, white short sleeve dress shirts with ties and, you know, bespectacled glasses trying to solve, you know, challenges to, to beat the Soviets. 
Today, it's more of a Space Olympics because there's multiple events going on. You've got races going on in the Earth observation space, in the communication space, in the deep space exploration arena. And as was mentioned, a number of new countries that have, have entered the race. And in addition to now dozens of countries that have entered and wanted to become spacefaring nations, there are scores or maybe hundreds of private companies that have entered. And so the, the challenge is keeping track of it all, you know, who is, who is in what lead, in what role, in, in what subsector of the industry. The good news is all of those different competitors, especially in the commercial arena, provide more diversity, more opportunities to have alternate paths, alternate approaches. And so, you know, I'm a communications and networking guy, right? So when you design a network for resiliency, you're looking for redundancy and diversity in multiple paths in order to protect that network. So I don't think the answer is that there's going to be a new set of rules for cybersecurity that every company is going to adopt. Because as soon as you come up with a new set of cybersecurity rules and defenses, the, the adversaries find a way around it, right? So instead of trying to secure everybody with a set of, of common rules like ISO standards, the better way to do it is to have everybody take their own innovation, their own approach, and then when you build your network, you use that PACE architecture that I described before, which is you have a primary comms link that might be from one vendor or one type of technology, and a, an alternate path that might be from a second one, a contingency from a third, and then an emergency comm that might be degraded. You may not be able to do all the things that you're used to doing, but you still have now at least four different paths. The key to success in doing that is embracing the concept of software-defined networking, where you're no longer stovepipe with, well, this is my network, and if it goes down, I'm going to turn a switch and move all my traffic to the backup network. That's kind of the old-school circuit switch thinking way of building redundancy into a network. Today, you know, orchestration platforms, network management platforms can say, all right, I have a primary link that's, let's say, a geo-satellite and I have an alternate link that's a LEO satellite, like Starlink or Viasat, and then I have a contingent one that maybe is Iridium or Inmarsat or something else. And instead of you know, just treating them one at a time and loading up the primary and failing over, you treat it as one network. You bond those different links together, and the end user may not even know which path their traffic is going over. As long as you've built it in a way that is secure and protects the integrity of the data, for the end customer, you have the ability now to provide not only resiliency, but load balancing and a better user experience for the customer. And ultimately, you know, it is that multiple paths unified as one connectivity solution that provides the ongoing resiliency as opposed to kind of one set of standards and security rules. David Myers, president and CEO of Altisat Incorporated, wrapping up this discussion about game-changing technologies in modern warfare. I am Vlad Palku, see you next time.
focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International... Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk, the traditional music segment wrapping up today's broadcast on Radio Romania International. I'm Ana Maria Popescu and our guest today is Ion Paladi, a rising star on Romania's traditional music scene coming from across Prut River in the Republic of Moldova. Here he is with a dance song. And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl.ri.ro.